This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Bez, what do you love? Well, John, it's a new sponsor and I'm loving it. For me, double quarter pound a meal. What are you having? Oh, it's got, got to be the chicken nugget share box. To myself, there's no sharing. But to myself, that goes without saying. But what dip? Oh, barbecue. It's a barbecue dip. Yeah. But where can people get it? So, yeah, where can you get it? You can order via the McDonald's app. Um, It's via participating restaurants only. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. So see McDonald's.com for full details. Welcome to the Ale and Vale podcast. We are here again twice in a week, um, but this time with a little special for everybody. Um, joined by Bez. How are you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. I've got a feeling you speak to me more than you speak to your missus. Well, she's not even in tonight, so that's definitely true today. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. right. And I had, had a good day today, Johnny. Yeah, we have, haven't we? It's been, it's been interesting. Yeah, I'm off work, so making the most of it. Yeah. I went for a little jog around the block this morning. Been seeing me cousin. Been for a curry tonight down near Beerslum. Very nice. Uh-huh. Very and nice. Two films this week. You've done two films this week. Done two films this week. Which two have you done this week? Monday, I went to see Dumb Money, which isn't out till tomorrow, but because I'm unlimited member, you get some films early. That was really yeah. interesting. For anyone that is interested in sort of the stock market and how it works and how the average man could potentially take it to the big man, definitely worth yeah. watching. True story, and there's, I believe there's a documentary on Netflix as well about it. But that is oh, right. one. I don't know what that's called. But really interesting film. Definitely worth a watch. And then last night I went and watched the new Poirot film. Okay. Um, Haunting in uh, Venice. That was good as well. I enjoyed it. Is it is, uh, it's not same. Is it same people doing the Poirot films? I, I don't know. It's a bloke who's got a French accent. Mm, fair enough. But yeah, and I think the more surprising thing is I've been watching two films this week. And stayed in for both films. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is a surprise to most people. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Johnny, what have we been doing today? Let's tell people. We've teased there was a yeah. special coming up, and we've now teased that we're going to release it because we are recording this intro after we've done the interview, just so we can put an intro on it. 
Yeah, we, we are. And yeah, we, we, we've been down to the club today. Um, and we've sat down with director of football, David Flitcroft. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll obviously hand over to the interview now. And then we'll, um, we'll be back at the end of it for a quick chat. So enjoy, people. Enjoy. So, yeah, we're joined by Dave Flitcroft. Um, first of all, Dave, what we, what we ask everybody is, what was your team growing up? I used to watch Bull and Wanderers growing up as a kid, um, the old Burnham Park. Uh, we used to go in the paddock, um, and I just loved. Remember the team? It was the uh, the Jason McAteer, uh, Alan Stubbs, uh, Walker, Owen Coyle, Steve Thompson spraying it. Um, and you know when you just remember a team, David Lee on the right wing. They went and beat Liverpool um, in the in in. in in the FA Cup and I'm not joking you know like you just went and fall in love with the way a team plays and what they are but, and, and then I think what happens then when you're involved in football and obviously my, my older brother Gaz played at Man City he was outstanding for Man City and then went to, went to Blackburn what you start doing then on a Saturday is going watching football really and going watching you know your brother play and I go with mum and dad um, I started enjoying enjoying being, watching the Man City team I remember Paul Stewart and uh, King Cladsey I sort of have this this recollection of, of when I go watching football, I'm always seem to be pointing certain players out, and, and you know, as a football fan, going watching certain players. Then I went to Blackburn, watching a lot of Blackburn, and and didn't go watching Bolton as much. So then, when you get a job and you're the Bury manager or Barnsley manager, you, you're 80 hours a week. You're just fully immersed in that. So it's been it's been difficult while I've been in football. I've not been able to really take my own lads to a football game like dads can do do you know what I mean and really they have no they have no association with, with Bolton um, so it's weird it's, it's it's a bit of a when you're involved in football you genuinely you just you, all you think about when you wake up is, is how you improve that team and make them better um, we were talking in the dinner hall before about like my dad didn't used to like watching England when England played so but he loved watching Brazil loved watching uh, the Dutch teams so back in that time when we was young players and young young people, you're just watching the best teams in the World Cup, and you know I remember the Brazil kit, and then watching. I'm just obsessed with like watching the Dutch teams, and really that forms in a weird way. It forms your thinking, forms your style of play, forms how you do things, um, and, and it's all from your it's all from your youth, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot to pick from from there. But who was your favourite player then growing up? Ooh, King Cladsey. Um, I love watching King King Cladsey. Steve Thompson at Bolton, love watching him. Um, I watched a lot of live football, but probably King Cladsey in in that era when there were some really good athletes, but he could just do anything with the ball. He was magic. And two two guy, so he played with our guys in midfield. Again, that that flair, that creation, just watching him, what he did. Um, and yeah, I think I think I always look for for them more flair players because uh, as a player, I, I was just like you know go and shift it and, and get it and, and obviously I weren't great with a ball but I could mix it I love seeing Fleur players that's, that's what I enjoy to see yeah they were the days as well under King Cladsey where you were, players did get kicked but players couldn't get close enough to him kicking the, the ball was like a magnet on his foot I remember Georgie King Cladsey oh mate he, he just had everything he had everything he had an energy you wanted to be him you wanted to be on a, and try and do something that he could do I think that's why the the, the genius of this world and your Gascoigne's I think my favourite player that I didn't watch much live was Gascoigne you know growing up certainly wanted to everything around Gascoigne being a player and, and having that having that cheek having that devilment and, and I've seen it with Grealish when you've seen Grealish now and you see the way he is as a person 
you know, I think everybody would love to be a Gascon or be a Grealish. You know, the the, the mercurial, the the sort of they've got that way about them that you that you engage as as a football fan, and, and that's that's what I am. You know, I'm from a football family. Uh, my dad was was tough with us, very fair with us, tough love, but created three footballing brothers. You know, and uh, very proud of that as a family. And obviously, mum supports that, and and so being being part of family unit is big for us. So you can obviously um, pick one of your brothers if you want to, but who's the best player you've ever played with? Played with? What a good player I played with was Brian Barry Murphy, who's now the Man City 21s manager. Yeah. I was his sort of minder, if you like, on the pitch. You know, I'd, I'd go and win the ball for him and, and go and give it, give it Murph, and Murph would do his stuff. Um, Colin Kazim Richards uh, played with him when he was at Berry. Uh, outstanding player. What one of the, one is probably Nicky Adams was someone again that I played with when I was young, and Nicky's had an incredible career. Um, I, you know, I, I used to love being you know being around Nicky, and, and and he's just had this youthful um, this youthful um, experience. But no, uh, Mur- Murph was a talented footballer. The best one and the one who gives the biggest effect when I was at Berry was Dave Nugent. Who then went on to um, Preston and then, then Everton? Nuge was probably someone at, at League Two, League One that were just too good for the level. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, probably Dave Nugent. Yeah, hundred percent goal scoring record for England as well. Played one, scored one. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. Tap ten. And going on from that, best player you played against? Best player played against. Uh, you know, you know, it was. Was decent. Uh, Nicky Summerby, Mike's Mike Summerby's like he, he had a sort of a, a strange sort of a strange sort of run, a strange sort of look. But when I watched him cross the ball, he was sort of before Beckham was crossing it, like we all see Beckham do. Nicky Nicky Summerby had that. Um, David Dunn played against David Dunn. He, he was he was outstanding. Um, the one I really liked, who I just thought was very mercurial again, was Damien Duff. Hmm. Damien Duff. We played him in the cut, and Duff was just like. You thought you could get near him. He had this like loping run. I'm thinking I'm going to go and tackle him. You go and tackle him, end up on the ground. You're nowhere near him. Do you know what I mean? But he drew you in. He could draw you in with that. So uh, yeah, probably the toughest match I've ever played was against Paul Ince. That was uh, when it when it, there was not many players that tackled me. And I thought that's, that's a proper tackle. He hit me like a trade. And then two days after, you could still sort of feel that where you've been hit and shuddered, and and you're like, Phew, that must have been that tackle. But Inns was a, was a fierce competitor. It was a cup game, I think the fourth round. Uh, Rochdale, we got to the fourth round and played against Paul Inson. And he was, yeah, he, the toughest probably tackling-wise was Inns. But again, I, it's, it's the floor players that I sort of, you know, um, I get drawn to as a football fan. You mentioned Inns there. Like, did is he is he similar to Smithy? Did he say something to you as, he, as he's putting you down? Because like we've heard... We've heard the players talk about Smithy when he does his little tactics. He doesn't speak to you. Do you know what you, you know what you see? Right, it's in their eyes. Players like Smithy and, and players like Ains um, and your Keens. It's in their eyes. You just see this. It, there's a glaze. There's a there's a glaze that you know if you go in that tunnel with them and you you're going to have it off. You know that it's co- some players. You know that they'll tell you it's going to go off in the tunnel, and you're thinking it's never going off in the tunnel. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, it's ne- but with 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 the what I call the killers, if you like, you know that it's going to go off, and that's always the exciting part on the pitch, working out who them ones are that they're going to take you all the way to the white and probably wait for you after all, find out what pub you go in, and that's how it was back in the day. You know, you 
that's how you, you mixed it with people and it, it was, it was a brutal, it was a war, it was a war, referees allowed it to be a war, no problem with that, we knew it at the time, um, and, and that, you know, there's more sophistication, uh, and when you see Smithy, what I see, I see that warrior, but I see it in his eyes, he's just, he'll do anything to get the win, um, and it's, it's, it's something that's, that's, that's unique, uh, and some, somewhere we've got, to, we've got to make sure that we find that, because, you know, when you're looking at academy football and development football, it's all going to be soft. It's all going to be, you know, too vanilla for me. Uh, but it stands out a mile when you see someone with just this laser focus. It's brilliant. Like Caldy, we had when I was uh, managing uh, an assistant manager, Craig Dawson. He just had a laser focus. I look at Harry Kane. The best ones have just got a laser focus. It's just this is what we do. This is how we do it. And, I, and yeah, I, it's it's something in their eyes more than what they say to you. <laughs> Fair enough. So we're going to move on now talk about your role, Vale, and, and such like. So first of all, we'd like to talk about the scouting side of it. So how does that work? Does Andy Crosby come to you and say, Dave, I need a centre-half? Or do you go to him and say, right, we've got these players, this, that and the other? How does it How does it work? Yeah, I mean, obviously you guys have been in our sort of war room, if you like, or our room where we build everything, strategy room. Um, and what you've got in there is... We've built the system, so we know the system. We know what the system is, and it's all profiling. So we've the club, Dave Flitcroft, uh, our recruitment team, we've built the profile of what we're looking for. Um, so whether that's a right side centre half, left side centre half, central centre half, um, and number six, what we call our our focal sitting midfield player. Sometimes it's a double six, sometimes it's a single six. You've got your number tens um, and your wing backs. Now, once you've built that system, you you then know what the profile's coming in. The difficulty we've probably had over an 18 month period is because some of the football um, has been indifferent and there's not been that consistency, then sometimes your recruitment can get skewed because there's, there's not them consistency levels in. What we found when Andy's been involved as, an, as the assistant manager and then caretaker manager knows the manager, there's a real consistency in his methodology, in the way he goes about his work, and he's very systematic which fits into what we're doing. So the the different, we bring that to the table, we then have a coaches meeting, we then offer the solutions and the profiles, then what we then get all the team to do is then go and reference check and the biggest thing that the manager, the coaching staff, and basically whoever we know, so it might be um, DT might go and ring the physical staff, we might have the physio ring their physio, the detail and research that goes into how good the person is as, as, as a human being, it's probably the key one, probably the key one, because you can spot off profile. If you know what you want from a wing back, you know exactly what you're looking for. Um, so we'd have we'd have David Worrell. We knew that we we wanted what was his energy. We knew we wanted his drive and his commitment, his crosses. Uh, so then you start looking. and You go, well, where is that profile? And then you Mitch Clark almost is uh, is slightly different. Obviously, definitely younger, but slightly different. And then you know we, we we then fit that into into the profile. So yeah, it's it's so important. You know you're building too, but the coaching team, uh, the manager, um, they are absolutely intrinsically linked to it. Um, but you can't know with with all analysis and with uh, with all your work on the training ground and your recovery work, you can't physically go and find and scout all these all these all these players. Uh, the first signing I made at the club was Tommy Johnson, who's our head of recruitment. Um, I'd worked with him for two or th two years before, uh, and he came in as an op op opposition analyst. But I saw this real 
excitement in going scouting. You've got to go and enjoy watching games and being in the cold and, and any good scout, you know, I don't I don't interview scouts, I just look in the car boot. If they've got four or five coats, I go and take them. Because you know that they're there. They're there. You know, someone who's got a laptop don't want to know, you know, you've got to be out, you've got to be doing the work. Uh, I've always enjoyed being out, enjoyed doing the work, but it's got to be funneled or you're just out blind. Um, so that the, the funnel comes in, it comes into me, then Tommy goes and then I'll go and watch them. Sometimes watch them in a warm-up to see how they connect with the rest of the team, uh, to see how they always get there early, to see when when goals conceded, what the reaction is, what the body language is. Um, when a goal scored, you know what's the reaction? Do they really want to? Does it mean everything to them? Um, have they got that fight when they concede? When, when it might be the player who scores from a set piece, how do they react? It's the live stuff that makes you see all the things that you want to see to make an informed decision. So yeah, the, the scouting's massive, uh, but recruitment in in any business in any industry it's, it's the most important part of any of any football club. Uh, I've been lucky enough to recruit a lot of players here, but also a lot of staff and some some incredible staff. But you know, we've we've got we've got a small team, but I'd rather have a, a good small team than a, than a big team that you know is just just throwing names at you. Um, so yeah, uh, we've got a company in this this uh, this season called Market Insights who give us even more data support. So again, we're channeling and funneling their numbers in, but you've still got to do the work. You know, you've still got to do your your due diligence and and your your, your in depth work. Yeah, and one that I thought was interesting the last year, and I think it's a good get on here, is obviously the formation we're playing at the moment. We're playing with four centre midfielders, wing backs, and one up front. Was that the plan all summer, or has we kind of fallen into that? No, um, we we went with went with two nine, so we was going to play with two strikers like last season, and then the market just changed. Some of the money that we was getting um, quoted to take players, um, and you, and you can see it with with the two signings that didn't happen uh, at Bristol and at Wrexham, you know. Um, Johnson, Clark, Harris, and, um, and Luke Armstrong. We'd never seen figures like that in League One get supported. Uh, this this influx of money coming from somewhere, and it destabilised the market. It absolutely destabilised the market. Then, and we went for some really high, quite high-profile Premier League strikers, um, but the younger ones, the younger element. We got close, and then when when that dropped off, we then had a sort of a meeting around a change of strategy. And if we change the strategy. What would that look like? When then we went with a sort of a single striker, um, with with two number tens backing that up. What we call number tens, but they had to be adventurous number tens. They had to be running number tens, not the luxury ones that sometimes you see in, in you know in, in the in the in the in the world world elite clubs. They had to be able. We've got a big pitch. They had to be able to cover a lot of ground. Um, so then you start looking at your your, your chizzes, your your Alfie Devines, uh, your Art Blasters. You know. Um, so, so you've built the system, but we had to be flexible, and yeah. I think that flexibility allowed us to, to, to find a different profile of player. It just allowed us to generate more names then. Yeah, no, I think that's really interesting. Um, so the next one is explain how the player signing process works. Is you the first contact with them? Are you the one that then negotiates the contract? When does Crosby get involved? When does Cattle get involved? How does the presentation work? So you, you first make contact with the, with the club. You know, we always go to the club. Um, once you've spoke to the club and seen that you've got that availability and that there's a there's a hunger for the club to want to do something. Like, we went for a young Chelsea player and Carlo Curacini is a loan manager. So we probably spent two Zooms with Carlo and uh, quite a few hours in different emails. They vet you. So the first one, we didn't speak to the player. We spoke to Chelsea. They vetted us. Tottenham vetted us. 
uh, I was on it, Carol was on it, Andy was on it, um, and asked us all the questions around the support, the well-being, uh, nutrition, diet, our medical support team, our physical support team, how they'd link in. Uh, once we got the green light, then you know you can then then really express your interest. That allows you then to, if we're just talking primarily loan signings for now, that allows you to then go and get. Um, speak to the player, the agents usually on, if they're a good agent they want to be on, you can tell the, the agents that aren't good, who, who are not bothered, they're, they're never on, uh, but the good agents will listen to, to what you've got to offer, your presentation, um, and it is a pitch, but I think what's great in our pitches is it does happen, I know a lot of salespeople that will go in and, and tell them this is going to happen, and it doesn't, uh, we then talk about the football plan, how that connects uh, how that player connects in that plan, what you just said there about the, the, the match model, how does it look. They're very intrigued to know about the training and the load um, and the physical load. And then we end up getting to a place where then Carol will talk about the club and the people. And what I always talk about, which is really important to me when I first come here, is you know I, I come from a town where Burnham Park was in the centre of town. And I saw what that meant to people. I saw in Bolton what it meant to people. Um, then it moved to it moved to the Horridge Leisure Centre, the Middlebrook, and with a lot of pizza raw and Hollywood balls and things. And it just took the dynamic over. When I first come here, the biggest thing was was uh, as a player or a manager, I'm coming through, I'm driving through Burslem and thinking, whoa, bit intimidating. This is like real football. This is, and then you get to the stadium, and we're in the community that it serves. I think. We are so lucky to have a stadium that's built in our community. And I say this to the players before they come, I say, guys, you're not going to Realtail Park and a brand new, you're going to a stadium, a brilliant stadium that's locked into, we serve the people that, that are actually in the area. You come, you're gonna to have to connect. We, we, we always have this connection with the supporters and make sure that that player, like like an Oli Blaster, the way he looks for the ball, his bravery, the way he goes and searches for the ball and wants the ball all the time, our fans will connect to that because they'll realise that they almost want to be him at times, you know what I mean, and, and be a part of that. Where we're, we're, we're the luckiest, one of the luckiest clubs in the country, in my view, is that we're right in the heart of it, but we've got a park in front of us that you know we, we should be able to utilise more and, and become part of the match day uh, experience. But what we've got behind is something that's, that's incredible, and we are looking to develop that you know, at the minute, and we, we, we spend a lot of hours on that. But if we can get all that right and create what we want to create the football club, then we could be, you know, not just a good performing football team and a football club, but making sure that the community serve, which is one of Carol and Kevin's, you know, big drivers. So how is that different with a permanent signing then? Do you, is, is that slightly different? Yeah, so a permanent signing, one, you might hear from a player or a, an agent that someone's unsettled. So where we talk about agents being unhelpful and not helpful, sometimes they're really helpful and they'll give you that advice. Listen, he's had a fallout with a manager. So then we'll, we'll, we'll ring the player, ring the agent. Does he want to come? The first thing is, does he want to come? Once they say yes, then we'll go meet him. Uh, again, sometimes the agent's there, sometimes he's not. I, I quite like it when it's a permanent that you're meeting some, someone in the family as well. So you can counter that back and you know who you're doing it for. Uh, is it mum, is it dad, is it your girlfriend, is it your wife, is it your, your kids? Because you've got to know the cause. When we've got a player who's a permanent, I want to know his cause. I want to know that he's coming here and who's his driver. Everyone's got a driver. You get out of bed for someone, 
everyone gets out of bed for themselves every day. You get out of bed for someone. And that's really important for me to understand that if they bring the dad along, if they bring the family along, then I, I, I love that. And then you just, we want to know everything about them. I think once you know everything about them, then you can, you can understand them, you can understand the psych. Uh, people talk about technical, tactical, physical. The, the one, well, I mean, Jurgen Klopp calls them mental monsters, and I sort of love that. The, the more successful players that there's ever been and there will ever be is them that's that's absolutely in tune in the red. Um, it's it's the biggest part of it of of because the, you know this job comes with a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Social media, people attacking you all the time, and these players they stand up and you know it wasn't like in my day we didn't have phones and you know you was just the fans were honest with you and they told you and they'd wait afterwards and speak to you afterwards like men. You know, people now hiding, hiding, hiding the bedrooms and, and have a go at you. Do you know what I mean? These players have got to put up with a lot of stuff uh, that we didn't have to put up with. We had it was men talking to men back in my day, um, and that's what we've got to protect. We, we fight quite hard to protect them from that because I think you've got to do. You know, um, if you don't know where your enemy's coming from, you know, some anonymous guy or woman in a in a in a, in a bedroom somewhere. The reason they're anonymous is because they want to be anonymous. You know, so. Yeah, you've got to, we've got to work hard on that as a football club to protect our players because they're, they're assets to the football club. So um, we, we've obviously heard that this season has been slightly a bit of a change going on in terms of what you're in charge of. And the big thing was that you're in charge of everything that touches the pitch. Um, what, does, what does that mean in layman's terms? Because obviously we know that it's players, but... Where else does your role start and end, sort of thing? Yeah. So going back to, back to the room, back to the plan and what we built and the strategy. The playing style was probably the the biggest thing. It's changed, and where it's changed over, the the two eras, obviously Daryl and then Andy, is that we were in a lot of trouble. This football club needed a figurehead. It needed someone on the pitch. It needed someone with Daryl's charisma, his passion, his drive, his motivation to come in and shake this plate to its, to its boots and Daryl did that and it was incredible. Um, some of the management that Daryl did um, was just, you know, outstanding, you know, and I look back on it and that era in that time, incredibly successful and, and Daryl played a major, major part in that. But there's a lot of other people, you've probably got 120 people behind that doing, doing not a similar thing, but really driving, driving the team hard and it's, it's keeping them connected to the plan because we all just watch what goes on you know you've got you've got ground staff you've got grounds team you've got maintenance you've got safety all these other people at a football club and then you know getting to that stage what Carol and Kevin what they invested what they went through the stresses they went through um, the son Patrick works incredibly hard at the football club um, to, to try and get the fan experience better and to try and strategise for the club there's so many people uh, the, the media team are out all the time you know getting Getting footage and you guys have dealt with them. They, they, these are, these people are brilliant people, uh, and at times they don't they don't get the credit. You know, my scouts are out all the time doing that. Everyone fits into it. So I think what I've been able to do is is build a system, and everyone connects to that system. But I appreciate them for what they're doing. It's making I tell them all the time how good they are. I, I appreciate them, and they know that they absolutely know that uh, they know that I love them to bits. I love working with them, um, and then. There's a value system at the football club. Carol has a way of bringing a, a culture and a value system to everything she does. It doesn't matter what you're doing, a presentation or, or, or whatever that is, there's a value system and we all know it. And if you can't get to that value system, 
then you don't perform for this football club and it's very easy to see. It, this, people stand out as an absolute mile um, because her and Kevin have built a, a, a company on values, on great values, and everyone who works there tell, talks to you about that. And when I first come to the club, I understood that very, very quickly. Um, and we, we, we all got to hit the my standards. And if you don't hit the my standards, you don't work at a football club. It's, pro it's quite simple, do you know what I mean? It's quite a simple method, but I'm not joking. When, when you understand it and when it flows and when you realise that, then the standards there, there are there to be it. Um, but that connectivity is so important because then the pitch has to tie in that. We've said about it before, you know, you can't go and get the best of class loan signings because they'll vet your pitch. They'll vet if you, if you say we're going to play a certain system and your pitch lets you down, you can't. And that pitch, our pitch was horrendous. You know, we'd, we'd made mistakes on it. We, we hadn't got it right. We had to then reset. When you make a mistake on a pitch, it's the only area that you can't reset because you're playing games and you're scheduled to play games. Um, and and that's what happened and it was it you know with a numerous other things it was something that was um, a big thing in recruiting better players so we we, we did a, a full a full deep dive on it we did a survey on it and we found out that we can build a drainage system where we got told we couldn't uh, because of all the stuff under the under the turf and underground and concrete asbestos and this and that and the guys come and the figure was mad, the contingency figure was mad because of all the stories that was, the pitches this, the pitches that. The firm that we used, I can't tell you how good these guys were, they were real people, outstanding people, and they give us a pitch now that we, you know, it's, I mean, it's been torrential the last few days and it drains and it goes through and it's not got that that water in the profile all the time. So yeah, we got we got involved with that and, and I got involved with that, so, you know, and then, keep trying to improve the training and the facilities. Um, the, again, when we talk about touching the ball, the academy, that through getting Will Ryder in and recruiting Will Ryder and his team, and probably got 20 odd recruits you know, in, in the academy different. Two and a half years ago, it, I think it was the 91st performing academy, the worst performing academy in the country. And there were people at this football club telling me it wasn't, but I'd done a deep dive and I was here every night and I was watching it, I'm going, no it is. The football was terrible, they weren't fit. The first game I watched, all getting cramp, all cramping up. I couldn't believe how bad it was yet. Um, where the audit was slightly saying something different, but I weren't having it. And we totally, Will Ryder had a tough six months. There was a there was a, a balanced time where it balanced where Will's wasn't sure whether, it, but his support that that we give him and certainly Carol give him at that time, we saw it through. And now, you know, it's it's a it's a part of the club that's, that's thriving. And and again, you know, with, with Andy Crosby. The biggest thing when I look back was when Planty played against Ipswich, really tough game, and when I spoke to Andy about that particular team and why I was picking a team, he sent me over the metrics of what um, the data that, that, that Planty had done. and it's, That's why he's in the team. So we went back to the data, went back to the science and said, this kid physically can cover the ground and he, he's in a great place. And I thought it was unbelievable on the gate. I thought oh, it was yeah, like, outstanding. Yeah. And I, I look back at that and I go, that's then working to a system. So now we have a new profile for a player coming through, whether you're 14, 15, 16. It's made us look into our academy deeper and go, we've now got the metrics on planty. So that's the new standard that we've got to set. Uh, so we're always upping that standard. We're putting more support into sports science, putting more support into nu nutrition. Uh, putting more support into them areas that will give us the most impact because, you know, 
Planty, rightly so. You know, he's being watched by by some very good football clubs. I get calls on him, uh, and he's someone who who the, our supporters engage with because you know he might get a couple of decisions wrong, but God, they're, they're honest mistakes. You know, when he makes them, they're, they're super honest mistakes, and the 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 kid is giving himself every chance to be a top player, and that's what you know when you say about laser focus. That's what I love about someone like Planty. He's got that focus that's that's as good as that's a, as good as I've seen. Yeah, yeah. You see, he's come back this summer. He's ripped, and you can tell he's been spending time in the gym and training this summer. Oh, I'm more. Do you know, I'm more. So we went to Pinatar, um, and again, I've pushed hard for that the last two years. And the difference in the two camps from last year, La Cala, to this year, Pinatar, the the worlds apart because you know we wanted a camp that was Arsenal twenty ones were there. Uh, there was uh, Sheffield Wednesday come and played a game. Um, the Mercy were there, and it's I had about eight pitches. Pinatar, an unbelievable gym. And when I watched Andy and the coaches and and and, and Scully and Dunny work on all the physical team, you know, these guys from seven till seven at night, just non-stop, getting the team ready for the season, start of the season. The sessions were tough. There was like this crazy heat wave as well in um, um, in Europe at the time. And we had these chats around well-being, and, and, and honestly, I'm not joking. We, no, let, let's test them. Let's take them to the level. We can rehydrate them, but take them to the levels. And some of the some of the sessions were incredible. Um, but again, just that big difference from Lacala the year before to then a real camp um, the the year after, and watching a group of players just commit to each other. Uh, it's, 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 it's essential for the season. Yeah, and moving on, you're on about the pitch. After the other fans formed, did you find out where the turf went? No, I'm only joking. That ain't a real question. <laughs> it went past his house, didn't it? Didn't <laughs> it? That turf went past my house. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, how was your role split then? Direct for football, obviously, some of it will be at the club, some, it's, I presume, remote working. How's that split? How do you make up your working week? Yeah, so you've got um, off site meetings, you've got uh, off-site strategy meetings that we have with, with the board so sometimes we'll go out of it because once you get come into the club it's like you can just people will jump on you they'll come all you know because they, they, you know, they want to know what's going on um, so we have off-site meetings I, I like getting out to games I still love getting out to games live I love watching live football anyway but going watching players and then you know what you're connecting them back into love that uh, meeting agents so again a lot some of the time that you're, you're off site you can't meet a player or agent because there's people right. we're a bit of a unique club because usually you have a training ground away from the football club but you've probably got on a day to day basis maybe 150 people are working at the club so you bring a player in someone's going to see that player so again you'll have a night time meeting no 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 8 o'clock you bring a, uh, an agent the family and the player in um, and you know going back, going back to recruitment you you know, we, we've been successful with say 14 signings this season we've probably presented to 30 probably spoke to 100 you know to get them 13 14 signings that's one hell of a piece of work do you know what I mean um, and you do it wherever you can if I've got to go and travel anywhere to seal a, seal a player I, I'd genuinely go anywhere It'd do it. nothing would stop me once, once I know that player fits in that system I'm persistent Dave Flickcroft a human being I'll go anywhere to try and try and make a, a signing and try and every decision you make you're trying to make Port Vale better and that's what my, my job has been to do from day one that's what I promised Carol that I'd do for her um, you know and I've, and I've tried to do that yeah it's been mentioned a few times though that like you, you do you ring the player a couple of times after once you've 
had them initial negotiations and stuff. Is that part of the not putting a bit of pressure on them to sign, but is that part of just getting to know them a bit more, or is it? Well, when you've done your work, so when you've done that work, you know that player's going to fit in, and then it's my job then to deliver that player. So, absolutely, barring barring stalking them, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I do probably everything else I can, and and I'll go and I'll, I'll ask him for the dad's number, I'll ask him for the mum's number, and the brothers and I'll speak to anyone to try and say listen please entrust us with your son entrust me as a director of football Carol as an owner um, Andy as a manager the coaching staff uh, we've got an unbelievable medical team um, a sports science team which we have that wasn't the case a year ago so the presentation's changed because I couldn't deliver that I couldn't deliver top medical support uh, top I mean, there were players when we first took over wouldn't even get weighed. They they dominated the, the sports science team. After I went down my first ever game, there was players refusing to do running after a game. So they watched the team play, and you should be doing about 4,000 metres after a game and probably about 500 high intensity. Players didn't want to do it and just, just sat there doing it. I went out and, and, I, and I couldn't believe what I was watching. And, you know, this is, this is where we've come from. Uh, and some people forget that and some people always will it's no problem but I always remember how bad it was and then you realise how far you've come uh, and, and then you know just this week you look at Cheltenham you look at Forest Green you know we were sort of in and around them teams and and they've just fell into a chasm that is that is quite incredible and you know they lose Duff uh, they lost um, they lost Mickey Moore to Shrewsbury the, the head of recruitment and suddenly you know, it, 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 it's really when you're building something, you've got to make sure that you build it from a strong foundation, and uh, and if you don't, it's and that's that's what behind the scenes, and you've seen a bit of that today. Behind the scenes, we are trying to do that. It's not we're not leaving anything to chance or just 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 trying to strike lucky. We'll get in any system you get things wrong, but when we get them wrong, we we, we recover pretty quick and, and move on pretty quick. Talking about getting things wrong, I'm going to skip ahead a couple here, sorry, Baz. No um, but did you feel any pressure on you after what happened last January? Because from a fan's perspective, it seemed like January was poor on the recruitment side. Did you feel any additional pressure on, on you this summer to get it right, or is it just no. the same pressure? No, we, we know why we signed it. We know why we lost Conor Hall. We know why uh, we, we had to sign a younger profile and a cheaper profile of a player. Um, and we we knew that inside the football club, it was difficult to go outside and tell everyone where we was at. But we needed a six months where we had to consolidate and go again. And we knew we needed to get to the summer. That's what we did. Uh, we we made sure that we we come stronger from the window. But probably from Christmas onwards, we didn't stop looking and getting them options that that we had now. Chasing someone down, usually you want to be in front of yourself by three to six months in the recruitment window. Um, like I said, in the window before that, we struggle getting getting the right players. I think in terms of the biggest lesson I've learned is we try to split our budget cost for the goalkeeper across you know, two two goalkeepers. Now we've this you know a big a big recruitment drive for us was going. Let's fund that position. It's so vitally important. We did a. We looked at how many goals we'd we'd conceded um, against our XG conceded, and it was it was startling how many saves that we didn't actually make in games as match winning games. We accounted for about eighteen points that 
Um, so it was massive in our in our review of the season. That was a massive part of it. That our defensive unit were decent. We 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 didn't leak. We didn't we didn't we didn't allow the opposition to have a lot of opportunities. But we conceded you know too many goals in that front. So I think we we learned as a club. Listen, you know, I'm I'm two and a half years in as a as a, as a sporting director, a football director. Uh, I've got loads of things wrong while I've been here. Got some things right, uh, but every decision I've made, it's been trying to. And I can I can go to bed at night every single night. I'm an honest guy. I can go to bed any single night and go. When we made that decision, I made it in the best interest of Port Vale Football Club, um, and and for Carol and Kevin because the support that they've give this football club. It's unique. It's it's there's no owner that does does the miles and the hours that Carol puts in. She's almost a CEO and and chairperson. Um, and, and we're lucky to have her and you know I can say that because I spend that time with her hopefully the fans can see that because of what she does but I've never seen an hard working chairperson Steve Parrish people like that they're, they're on that sort of level where they're they're obsessed with a football club making it better um, you know but most most owners are probably doing it from a um, you know from a position where they, they, they might not even be in the country so we're, we're lucky we're lucky to have this time as, as Carol as, as our owner Um because she she inspires this place every single day. Yeah, and you touched on it then, you've been director of football now for about two and a half years. Yeah. How did you find that transition going from the Saturday match day experience in the dugout down there to then becoming yeah, director of football? I still I still have wobbles now, you know, uh, still have wobbles. I, I love being part of um, a football group. I love being part of, you know, watching a training session and watching it done right uh, and having that connection with young players. Uh, I've, had, I've had you know two or three wobbles since I took this job in terms of you know, do I go back in as a manager? Um, without a doubt. Um, but every time I have one, I ring Carol and say, "Listen, I've had a wobble, not slept last night. This job's come up, you know." And so, but there's a bigger need, and I think as I've got a little bit older, you realise that the experience and support you can give someone, especially the board, and giving them the experience. But giving the manager as well, whether it's Daryl, whether it's Andy, whether it's coaching staff, I've been in them positions. I've picked the wrong team. I've, I've had a, um, a mind bomb go off, and you're like, what? But I understand it. And, and what I didn't want to do, ever, was to have that conversation on a Saturday night or a Sunday with my owner, because I just believed that family time. That's the time that gets you, back together. You spend that time with your missus on the phone to your mum and dad, with your kids. You only got to hold your kid after a Saturday night and go. Okay, we've got to beat three 0 but this is what's important. Um, and, and I've, you know, I've, I've realised that as you get a bit wiser. So my times then the Monday to Tuesday that we we talk about the game, go over the game, what went right, what went wrong, how did you feel? Do you know what I mean? And and could you have seen that? And just we just talk it through. And that giving that support, I think, is the, the vital thing. And then these crazy things come up at a football club, things that you would never understand that that are human, that are elements that we've not encountered before and we've got to work it out and sometimes a manager can't work it out so we call them my experience I'm then lucky that I can then go to Carol directly she's got different experience than me and we work it out and, and between us we make sure we work it out whether that's for a manager whether that's for a player whether that's for a coach whether that's for the recruitment team uh, like I said Will Ryder for the first six months had a really tough time at this club uh, the balance of scales just never fell in his favour for the first six months and we all worked incredibly hard. These phone calls at 11, half 11, 12 o'clock at night that just happen, one in the morning. I, I'm there till probably 12 o'clock every night for anyone at the football club, and they know I'll answer my phone at that time. 
Um, I'm an obsessive. I'm someone who just loves work anyway. My old man was a was a workaholic. Um, I'm the same, and you know I'm there for people. But that support, I've, I really enjoy that side of it. I did as a player, and and supporting young players. I loved I loved the young players in the team, and then as a manager, I love supporting young players. Probably had a deficit on my own, you know, on my own family a little bit because as a manager, you've got twenty odd kids that you. You're almost like a dad to him, do you know what I mean? That's how I sort of acted as a manager. Uh, but I've got good people at this football club. Um, love working with recruitment team. They, they saw, uh, they, they saw linked to this football club. Uh, MJ, the analyst, young Callow, we've got in Mike, I'm DT. We've got an unbelievable uh, support group for players, and I and I enjoy, I enjoy seeing them develop. You know what I mean? And we've got some that. You know, have had opportunities to leave us in the um, in the in the staff. I don't have had opportunities to leave us, um, and and they've not done. You know, they've not done so. That's the biggest success. Me and Carol always talk about that. People will will come for our players. They'll come for our staff. But can we retain them? Because if we can retain them, we're doing something. We're doing something seriously right. Yeah, and one of the big things, obviously, you, you spoke about looking after the players. The, the first game of the season, it's going to be brought up all season uh, by media and. We see all the time on social media, for example, it's all oh, poor they lost seven 0 the first game, but they've they've then done X, Y, and Z. How do you guys react on the Monday to that sort of thing? Because it's it's not like you you just lost two 0 and played badly. Cause we didn't for thirty minutes of the game we played really well. It was just the end result seven. Everyone just looks at that and goes, God, that's a disaster. But how do you pick people up and go first game of the season? You've lost three points and that's it. You see the consistency of someone's work and, and you get close to it and you understand it. And we'd made some real fundamental errors in that game, you know, real fundamental errors in terms of setup and going trying to take take an animal on like, like Barnsley, who's got Devante Cole who can break you. And we just got probably overexcited by it. But you can see that. And then the great thing with that when you're working with someone like Andy is that when he goes back and processes it, he sees them same mistakes we've made but knows how to correct it. So you know that you've got confidence that you, you're going to correct it. It was uh, it was us probably going with a bit more of an excitement to go and truly take a good team on. I mean, I, I went down to the uh, I went down to the final where, where Sheffield Wednesday beat them and they beat them really because you know Barnsley got a man sent off. Um, so they were they were very close to getting to the championship. We'd only just stayed in the league, and you know we, we wanted to go and take them on, and it's the wrong strategy. But then what, what you've seen then is going back to basics, going back to a real uh, a solid plan. Um, and we know who we are. You know, we know who we are. And, and under Andy, we, we know who we are. What I do see is a continual development of the plan, the way we're trying to keep possession and keep probing teams and keep trying to break teams down. Our stats are going that way. Um, but I was sat with Was Was come to the game. He's come to the boardroom. We had we had something to eat with him the other night. And, I, and people know what I think about David Warrell and... and where, where I'm at with was and he just said to me he said this was on Tuesday night against Burton we sat there at half time and you know he just said this is the best Port Vale team best football I've ever watched at Port Vale um, and, and during the game you know and, and some of the some of the, the phases some of the play we're going that recycling that patience we're trying to build that I'm hoping the supporters come with us on that journey and really get behind it and really try and understand it I think if they boo us it's because it's we're not Telling them what it is and telling them why we're trying to probe and trying to uh, upset the, the team's rhythm and trying to find them two or three opportunities to really get a goal from. 
Uh, we haven't got was was now we can get half a yard and just sling it in. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, we're trying to get in in different ways. We're trying to get more sophistication into the way we're going to attack a football uh, team. Um, and we're open. We, we genuinely open. Me and Andy talk about it all the time uh, with the coaches that we can, you know, we can hope that our our supporters come on this journey as well with us because they're key to it. They're absolutely key to it because you know when it goes back to when it goes back to Connor, it's not because we're trying to. Slow, slow down the pitch we're trying to actually get the ball speed in it it might be that that Smudge has got it and he's not seen that pass but Connor's open so he sees the pass so it goes back to and Connor's an incredible passer one of the things that when we watched him at Morecambe we knew he had it because we'd done a lot of work before but when we watched him live at Morecambe everything was long everything was direct so you couldn't see his passing range as much live so that's when we went, we went deeper into the work and went yeah, but when he's been at you know other clubs, his passing is incredible, and I think it's one of his biggest strengths. I think he's in, yeah, I think he's outstanding at it. Um, so we use that, we use that to try and probe. We use that he can go over the press, uh, he can go through the press, um, and, and now I watch Funzo always available for the ball and going getting the ball, and, and with bringing um, Arblaster and Divine in and Chiz at this level, they go and look for the ball and they'll take it under pressure. So. We'll, we can get the ball to him, and, and hopefully, like I said, over time we'll be able to, you know, keep keep telling the fans what we're trying to do, and then they come come through it because this does no one any favors when when a group of supporters start start booing a player. He, he's not he's not sure why he's getting booed because the manager, the club, we tell him to do that. We want to develop players to do that, uh, and maybe it's because we've not done the work in 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 letting our supporters know why we're doing it. So I think that's a piece of what we've all got to work on. Yeah, one one of the early um, player interviews we did was with Louis Dodds, and we spoke about when Dodds was here, his best position was number ten. He 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 thrived be behind Pope, and that's when you saw the best of Dodds. But we play him right right midfield, and then sometimes he wouldn't be tracking back, and fans got really frustrated by that. But then when we spoke to Dodds, he was told, I was told, if I go past the the halfway line backwards, I'm gonna get bollocked in. So, well, well, that's that bravery for me of, of, of what where we've got to get to. We've got to get tell people what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. The, the biggest thing is in the why. The biggest thing is in the why, and I think we have, we as a club have got to get better at that. Um, I mean, I had Dodzy, I, I managed Dodzy, and, and again, the thing if you sign, if you have Lewis Dodds and he's working down that channel and down that 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 sort of zone where you want Dodgy to be most effective, the key is to get the ball to him. You've, you've got to have a pass finder. Someone has got to get that ball to Dodsey in the right time. It's all about timing. Uh, so De Bruyne's only as effective because of what Roderick can do and, and how John Stone steps in and can see him. Um, and, and, and that's them, them's, them's them connections. Lewis Dodds is, is ineffective as a, as a, as a right-sided player or a wide player. But you can understand if he travels inside why the manager said that to him. But if that manager's not telling the, the supporters that, again... You just say oh, he's lazy, and that's that's what that's what that's what we do. Do you know what I mean? So we've got to do a big piece around that. We talk about it all the time. We're going to do some of the fans forum and let people know what what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. Um, because we, we want every supporter to come on this journey. Because for me, it's an exciting one, and for a lot of people who work at a football club, it's an exciting one that we're on. Yeah, I think one of the big things that it would be good to understand is the trigger of the press, because you see sometimes that we lose the ball and we drop into shape and yeah. go. And then other times you lose the ball and it's bang, 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 everyone's going. So. It's all, it, so if you're Man City, you've got the best players. So you can adopt that same style, same aggressive style 
throughout every game, home and away, because you're the best players and you've got insurance behind you. We might be coming up against, we might have to, we call it a low press. People sometimes call it a low block, a mid block. We call it a low press or a mid press. So then if they come into your mid press, you've all got to be aggressive and go and win the ball in that mid press. What a mid press does, it allows you to be a certain length away from your goal so you don't leave the space in behind for a quick striker. And that's what we allowed at Barnsley. We allowed Devante Cole to split us and get us on the wrong side and we didn't have enough cover and balance for it. So the, there's always a reason if we're playing one of the most dominating teams, we know that we can't dominate them. For uh, They're in front of us in, in, in quite a few aspects. They're in front of us, whether that's player recruitment, whether that's finances. Like Ipswich last season, they were just better than everyone else in the league. Physically better, technically better. They had the best goalkeeper. So if you go and take them on, they can beat you in three or four different ways. And that's the bit that we'll keep working out, finding out who we are as the season progresses. Um, people will find out our weaknesses, they'll find out our strengths. That's what that's what the league is all, all season. Um, and we, we, we're, there'll be different strategies. So I'm not trying to swerve that question, but the, there's not one answer to it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just on about that as well, the way we've evolved, obviously last year we got a style of playing that's quite rigid. This year we're playing some incredible football, I think it's fair to say, and I said to you Tuesday night, Burton. When, when you say incredible, what do you mean by that? What, what's, what, well, look, as, as, as a fan, yeah. what does that mean to you? Tuesday night against Burton, although we lost, for me, we were brave on the ball, we yeah. were looking for the ball. It wasn't all safe passing, which I think one of the crew games, yes, some of the better players were rested. But it was very safe passing, whereas Tuesday, a bit slow, a bit very slow, slow. Yeah, and it was all sideways and backwards. Even when a forward ball was on, that maybe wasn't an easy ball, but you get it right and you're in. We weren't taking it. Whereas Tuesday night, we were penetrating the lines. The balls were going in between, and we players were moving. They wanted it, and it, it was exciting. Watch a lot of that is down to the for me the level of play we've managed getting compared to last year. And that's no disrespect to last year's players, especially the lone players. Last year we ended up with without naming too many, Mipo, McCarron, etc. This year we've got Arblaster, we've got Divine, we've got Kofi, and he looks like a real footballer. Thomas, who obviously wasn't fit. How have we gone from that level of player to this level in a short space of time? What's gone behind it? Is it because we're now 12 months into a League One side and now we're not a new League One side, so players have got more confidence in Port Vale? Is it because of all the work behind the scene and everything you've done that clubs are going... Actually, we know that Key and Anna come back from Vale stronger, leaner, quicker. What's pushed I, us on? Yeah, I mean, you've, you've, you've asked the question, but I think with what, what you're saying, the, your realisation of it and what you're seeing, that's what we're feeling. And I think that life's about feeling. So if you've got a player that feels that and comes to the environment... The first year we couldn't do that. You know, I've told you about players not being weighed and the medical department not being where it needed to be in the sports science. So you can't wax lyrical about that. With that being now two years in the plan, we can. It's like recruiting a kid for the academy. A year ago, it was a lot harder because you're not getting them in because it, it weren't in a good place. Now you recruit them and it's the same with the first team. You can offer them that, you can offer them, uh, but you, you can show them where they fit into the game plan. And I think that's what all loan signings want to see and that's what all players want to see. Where do I fit in your plan? Once you give them that football detail, then then it's a case of working on that consistency. I think the only thing you've probably missed out with, with, your, with your question is the work that then goes from the, the analysis point of view and what we call the match model. What does that look like? What areas do we want to wait? 
what are we trying to do with the ball? Like, I've just watched a session this morning where some of the passing and, and, and the, the gaffers all the time talking about ball speed and, 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 and David Dunn talks about this, that like where you operate in the Premiership, them players just don't roll the ball into you. They lash a ball into you because you've got a better touch. So now the pressure becomes on, on the player to receive it right, to receive it might be under pressure. The players are playing under pressure because teams are respecting us more, so they're putting this, they're putting this deep block in and we've got to be patient. To break that down, we've got to be patient. Or, like you said before, the ball gets slung in, they had it out 50 yards, and a chance then on a counter-attack, they, they might go and get a goal. You know, So I think that we, we are in a lot better spot in terms of everything at the football club, but it's not just happening in three months. It probably happened two years ago. Mm. And that happened when I first met Carol, and she told me what she wanted, and she was explicit in what she wanted, to look after people, to make sure that, the best in class, always quality, um, and and we've been able to bring in some really good operators, um, and it, it's it's now that we're getting the benefit of probably two and a half years ago when we made some strong decisions around what we wanted to be as a football club. Fair enough. Um, so rolling back to obviously when you you first came, um, how did Daryl Clark end up as as manager? Um, because we know that you came in, director of football. Daryl Clark was managing Walsall and it was fair to say that they weren't flying at the time so it wasn't like we've gone and identified someone that's overachieving. It was a manager that was a surprise to everybody but it, it turned out well. So how did that come about? Because obviously you spoke about knowing each other but not working yeah, together. Yeah, um, the first the first two or three days for me coming in here, uh, I assessed the team. We got St George's Park, we had a look at the team. Um it was miles off. The stats will show, you know, that it was a team that was going out of the league. If it had carried on the trajectory, it was going out of the league. Um, then I looked at, I think it was, there was over there was over seventy. It might have been nearly hundred applicants, and spent hours and hours and hours. When when I'm on something, I just spend hours and hours. I lock myself in and just go right, put it all around you. You see my room. I've got to have it around me. I've got to be visual. I've got to be uh, seeing 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 the names really. I'd say 80% of the names on the list were probably managers that were looking for a six-month job that was, if it goes well, it goes well. If it doesn't, I might get a bit of a payoff. You know, and you're looking at that profile. Um, it needed, it didn't need a head coach. And, and I interviewed a couple of head coaches, didn't need a head coach. It wasn't an head coach model. But by interviewing head coaches, you understand that because of the problems that I, I give them in the interviews. And you could understand they would not, not know how to get this back on track. So the names weren't in that list. So then when I said to the board, I said, listen, I said, the names aren't on that list. We're going to have to go and recruit someone and pay a compensation, someone who's in work, someone who we can get. Um, and my connection with Daryl was, I'd known him as a player and, and loved watching him as a as a person in company. I just, I, you know, he has this, this, this energy, brilliant energy, um, loved it. Then went on the air license, your air license, and on our air license there were Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, there were Gianfranco Zola, there was Gianluca Festa. Uh, it was one of the, it was one of the first cohorts that was influenced by some brilliant foreign players, and it even took the FA by surprise some of the brilliance that these guys. I, I remember, I'll never forget. It was all about getting the ball in action areas and, and this and that, and then Gian, Gianluca and um, and Jimmy they did this, they did this combination. And the FAs looked at it like, where's this come from? It was watching, it was just amazing. 
And it made them think, and they said afterwards it made them think. But all the time, what you've got in them courses, you've got people that, uh, Dennis Wise was on the course, um, so, some incredible people. And what what it is, is you're there from eight o'clock to probably eight o'clock in the classroom at night. So the, it's, it's non-stop. And he just had this energy, Daryl had this energy every day, I had this energy every day, and you're picking people up. And Flick, do you want to join in my session? Of course I do, love to, do you know what I mean? Some players didn't, some players like, no, just concentrating on their own stuff. Um, where Daryl, I think he probably did everyone's session, Mickey Mellon was on the, was on the course. So I just remember all these these great people being on the course and and for a full week you had the energy and then everyone went home Then you go home for a weekend. Me and Daryl didn't, we stayed down and then the week after and he had the same level of energy. I'm like, wow, this guy's... Then I, then I watched his career and start watching him... Um, Watching him win games, and then I watched. I was in Portugal, and I watched the uh, the playoff final and the way he managed it and the way he did it. And uh, I was with a lot of Bristol Bristol Rovers fans in this bar, you know, and and I'm cheering on Bristol Rovers, and it's like, where are you from, you weirdo? Do you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> I said I know Daryl, and we're chatting and having a beer with people, and it was just like, I've just always tracked his tracked his career. Then I looked at Walsall, but what I looked at Walsall is, I looked at a good person and a good manager that weren't being supported. You know, didn't have a great medical, didn't have great sports science, and and I'm thinking if I can put that around Daryl, and give him a good assistant manager, what can we achieve with Daryl? So we built the plan, then we went in for him, um, and then we got him. And it, like I said, it, it, the, that dressing room that I'd witnessed for two or three, four days, needed a manager, and and we got Daryl in and needed his experience, and, and and the way the way he managed people, and they weren't a lot of coaching, but the way he managed people. Then we got Andy in, um, and and. There was a, there was a, a yin and yang that really worked well. Uh, Andy loves the coaching, loves the the system, loves loves being methodical in his work. Um, so yeah, that that's where that come from, and um, it was what was needed at the time, and 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 he was outstanding. He was absolutely outstanding in what he did for the football club, and and you know the fans love him here. Um, I love him. Uh, Carol loves him, and we we give him everything, but. You know, we, we we made a decision to 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 de for Daryl to depart and Daryl go, um, and I weren't really looking then because what had happened in that time is I'd seen Andy grow and I'd seen Andy work, and I'd seen Andy understand our system and and really work with the club system of of a trading model and you know working with a group of players that we've got to bring in, but then can you improve? Can you make them better? Each day you've got. You got 220 training days over a season with day offs and recovery days and games. Can you make them better every single day? And uh, we believe that, that that Andy and the coaching team can, um, and and that's why we went for for Andy. And you know he's, he, you know he's, he's done great. He did great as um, as as the caretaker. Then when he took over at the end of the season, he, there was a marked difference for me, a big change. But we believe in the academy. We believe in what Will Ryder's done. Uh, we're connecting that plan. And when I see, you know, Jack Shorrock, who we've had, you know, Premier League bid turned down, we've turned that down. We believe he's the future of of the club. Uh, Reese Walters now has come in, and we're watching Reese's development, and looking for pathways for Reese. Obviously, Plant is flying. Uh, Tommy Max out at, at, at Rochdale, um, and there's a pathway coming through. So, you you've got to have a manager that can connect with with that academy, or it's point you might as well shut it down. It, 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 you can't have two separate businesses, even though they are businesses in their own right, they've got a dovetail. And, and that's what we do really well. I, 
because I've because I've been a player, been a manager, been an assistant manager, development coach. Um, I, I love it. I love a high performing academy, and we've certainly got that. It could, listen, we're, we're working on it. We knew we're nourishing it. We make it better. We're we're educating more people down the line, uh, but them guys just don't stop every single minute of the day them guys are working so we've got 140 kids that we look after and we try and develop in the academy and every one of them kids gets everything we can give them yeah you talk interestingly there about Daryl being a manager is Crosby a manager or a head coach in in this model great it's a brilliant question but um he's he's, he's a head coach because he, he loves to coach but his management's very good his management of people's very good his management of um people around the stadium, his management of, of his staff, um, his management of his, of his players and, and how much he cares for them and, and we'll, what he'll do for them. So, um, it's, it's a brilliant question. Um, he's a manager that, that enjoys coaching and enjoy, and I, I look at the, the Pep Guardiola's and the Simeone's and um, the very best. They love being out on the training ground coaching they're obsessed with coaching they're watching you know live game they're watching Monday night football they have they've got this obsession around developing people uh, you know your Graham Potters they are they managers are they coaches it's a great debate it's a great debate but then I think you've got to be able to do both I think to be really successful you've got to be a developer you've got to make players better and you've got to manage people but I suppose that's like any any in any business you your top line management—that's what they've got to—they've got to be able to do. Yeah. Develop, develop people, but manage them. Yeah, we had lunch with him last year, didn't yeah. we? And yeah. like the, the thing that sparked when you when you spoke to him was that he actually cared about you as the yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like he asked us why we supported Vale, where we where we grew up, favorite players. Spoke about past How players. Long you've yeah. supported the club. So, and... so he, he, he felt like someone straight away you get that connection with because he wants to know you, yeah. not just oh. You two, you two fans are coming in. I come think, and have lunch. I think that's that's when I when I look at Pinatar and what the connections he made with the players and and this sort of session that he he, he did with them and this real honest you know session about uh, tell us about you, tell us who you do it for, tell us your cause. Very similar to what you just said there. That give him that that connection with the players and the staff that that, that he's been able to build and that trust. Everything's about trust. You know, you guys are coming today. I trust you. You, you're talking to me. Do you know what I mean? You could go in, do, you could you could slave, you could do what you want. But there's a trust level there, and if you do, you do. And but I think you build it over time, build that with relationships, build that talking to people. Um, you know, will will the fans ever trust me? Will they ever trust Carol? Will they ever trust another manager? I, I don't know. But genuinely, we work every day to try and get that where we're making the right decisions. And when we get it wrong, we get it wrong, and we we fess up and we say, "Listen, we're miles off there. We got it wrong." But you know, we, we we're trying to do the right thing. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to hold your hands up and say that it went wrong. And I think that was one of the things that irritated people back end of last season was that it went radio silence. And we know that Matt Hancock's come out and said that was that was an issue, and he's fronted that up. And you've just said similar that you need to fess up sometimes and say we got it wrong. And I think at the supporters summit before the season. You guys did that really well. You held your hands up and said some things went wrong last season, so let's move on and build. So on that building, from a fan's point of view, this summer's gone brilliantly so far. The signings that we've brought in, 
from a director of football point of view, how has the summer gone for you? Um, 90% of it's gone really well and, and where we want it to be. Um, we turned down bids for two or three of our players. Um, so that is then, they wanted to stay at the club, which was important to us. They would build something really solid. Um, we're trying to get to a point where we, we're continually trading. We want to trade up. We want to try and get to a place where we, where if that striker comes up and we can fund it, we want to try and fund it. But again, we might have to sell to do that. Um, so, yeah, we, we've, made, we've, we've made an improvement. Um, but we, we've got to make sure that we're getting our own through, we're building our own, and then one day we're either selling our own or keeping our own. And that that is something that sometimes supporters don't get because they're wondering, well, are we keeping them or are we not? But every player's got his price. Any football club, doesn't matter. We've just seen it with, nearly with Salah, we've seen it with Harry Kane. It doesn't matter what player, but the secret then to selling any level of player is your replacement. If your replacement's good, it doesn't matter, you know, then you're getting a fee. What we know, and at this club, is that whatever we get, we're reinvesting it. We're either reinvesting it back in the first team, we're reinvesting it back in, in infrastructure. And them are the two things, you know, we're making big strides after the window's finished now, we're making big, big strides in hopefully uh, building our, our training zone, which, which will overlook the pitches and trying to take sort of effect of, 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 of the area behind the, behind the stadium. Which will be a massive, you know, if we can build what I what I call simply a football factory, and, and we'll be able to get players through, and, and if we're either selling them or then they they they're making you know making big strides in the first team, like Planty, you know, Planty, we we had him down. He might play fifteen hundred, two thousand minutes this season. He's looking like he could play four thousand, which you know for the for his age and for for where he's come from, for that to happen, you know, in League One, which is a good league. Um, it's great success so you're looking all the time at them success I look at the window and I look at what we've done with the academy and the players that that, that we've attracted but that's to one hell of a work and, and a hell of a movement from, from Will Ryder and his team they were flat out they were going doing tournaments to try and attract interest they was going playing all the top uh, Cat 1 academies um, and, and that's got that exposure out there other academies don't do that they get lazy in the summer we got busy in the summer we got busy you know, attracting teams to come and look at our 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 players, uh, the scouting list. We, we we track all the scouting list to all the games. It's, it's gone through the roof. Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of things happening, and I think we all just get focused on the three o'clock or the the seven forty-five and and listen things like this. This hopefully helps people understand that there's there's more than just um, the ninety minutes. There's a, there's a lot more going on at the football club that we can all be proud of. And you, you might say, well. And we don't hear about that. Sometimes you've just got to wait. There's patience around that that we can't. You know, there's a load of work going on behind the scenes. What we're trying to do behind the stadium. We just, you know, it's it's there's there's time that you've just got to be patient. Sometimes. Yeah, work in progress. And just before you move well, on, I've got, you talk about reinvesting players moving on. Does where the player comes from in terms of affect where that money goes? So Forest are leaving. Does that money go straight into the first team? Whereas when Mills went Castle, the money that come in from him, does that go straight into the youth team, or is it 
into a singular pot and it's divvied out where it needs to it's be. In, it's into a singular pot, yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, always knowing that you've got to keep nourishing certain certain environments. And uh, we, we've had a big investment in the medical team we, uh, and the medical resource we have. We've we've, we've not beefed it up, but we've, we've put a, a bit more investment into the recruitment uh, this year. And all the departments that we feel just need just need setting up, we're doing that. We didn't take uh, our sports science and our medical support as serious as what we could have done in the academy. So again, we're looking at that and putting a strategy around that. But you know, everything's investment. Everything's uh, everything costs money. Um, you know, we have a club doc now that comes and see the players once a week. It's been unbelievable for the players. But again, you know, they don't work for free. So every little bit that we try and make better. We've got Mark Pugh, who um, some people know as the foodie footballer on, um, um, on, on, on his Instagram account. I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with Pugh. Uh, Pugh's got to a point now where he was, um, he was a nutritionist. He got to the premiership by doing what he's doing, amazing. And he's, he's a consultant for us, so he designs our menus, nutrition values, and gets all, gets all that for the football club. So. Yeah, we, we're moving in different areas, but again, as we get better, it's it's all investment. And we're aware we've taken a lot of your time. So right, last, cool. no, last two questions, and then first one: elite player performance player. Yeah. How does that work for a club like Vale? And how do you balance nurturing the players to play for the first team, which as fans we all want to see and pull on the Vale shirts. However, we're fully aware football's changed now, and the elite clubs and the elite academies are going coming in, take some of the younger players. How do you balance that around? coming into the Vale first team and selling them on. And how does the structure work for selling a player? Is it a set formula and that's it? Or have you got room for negotiation when someone comes in for a 14-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 18-year-old? Yeah, I mean, really it's the structure of the player because we've not got a 21s team. And again, just to inform you know the, the, the listeners out there, you're probably looking about 600 grand to run a, a 21s team. You've got to pay the wages for the players, You've got to have a twenty ones manager. You've got to have uh, medical support, sports science support, um, well being support. So probably looking between five and six six hundred grand to actually run a twenty ones team. Then your games program. The first core of players that we had coming through, we didn't we didn't take anyone through. So you know that is where you, you start building up them players. What we're probably looking at is a pathway model. So as the players come through, then we're looking to get links with local teams that we can then put them there, a bit like we did with, with Planty, you know, so that they're going out and getting some social development. So I look at Planty's um, pathway and it's been pretty consistent. Um, Tommy, Tommy Mack's been a little bit different um, because he come in and didn't get back into the first team, so he's gone back out again. And again, we're trying to assess that and make sure that we've, we've got the right decision there. Every player is about the physical presence because if you've not got a 21s team, then you can't really get your your smaller players, they might be more technical and your cat ones love them. Now, if a cat one takes one at 15, they've got an 18s, a 19s, a 21s and a 23s. So they'll probably get another seven years of development. So let's just say they're really undeveloped physically. You put them in our first team, they won't last a minute. They're not physically prepared. Now, now Planty was physically ready, so Planty can go in. Reese Waters is nearly physically ready. We've just got to do some more work on his foot patterning. Jack Shorrock at 16 physically can get up and down a pitch. His figures are outstanding. But if they're not, then you can sell them younger. 
and when you've sold them younger, you know, you can, as long as you've protected them, so there is a set fee, but as long as you've protected them by seeing it early, which Will Ryder and his team are brilliant at, you know, we've got some outstanding recruits. Kev Scott, he's amazing at recruit, recruiting. Once you've recruited them, you've got to plan for them. And if you see, if you think you see what the cat ones are seeing and that they're going to pay money, you've got to make sure you're in front of that, offering them a schoolboy, offering, uh, you know, making sure that you've protected that contract. Because if you've not, You've you've nothing to back up with, and that's where we've we've been brilliant. We have a technical board meeting around our uh, our best performers at each age group, who we've got to protect, who we've got to look after, who we've got to make sure that you know we've 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 seen early doors that they they will either someone will bid on them, so we've got to protect ourselves. Or like Jack Shaw, it's a classic case that uh, we had a good bid come in. Uh, we got you know Mal Benning left the club, and we said is he the successor? No. Time will tell, but we believe he is. That helps you then not replace Mal Benning, which again, so you don't have to invest in your first team because you got the backup. So there's a different investment there. Do you know what I mean when I look at that? So yeah, everyone's case by case, um, and it, and it's a business. You do what what you just talked about there. That's a business model that that's been set up. The Cat Three system and the Cat Four system, Cat Two, is all around trying to get the best players to Cat One. It's been built that way. Um, and if you're not good at it, then you, you, you fall foul of someone coming in and, and taking one of your plays for, 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 for zero cost, you know, and a very low cost. Uh, we, we, we're potentially doing a deal at the minute uh, with one of our young players, and it's a, it's a fantastic deal. Um, but, you know, if that comes off, then, then it's, it's quite outstanding. And then last, last question from us. Um, We've seen, obviously, we signed Jesse Deborah this week, um, and you made some comments. The Halifax manager seems to have bitten back and didn't really appreciate them. Okay. Um, how do you feel when stuff like that happens? Is it water off a duck's back, or what's he said? I've not, I've not I'm seen it. Uh, yeah. So, so he, you mentioned about the medical side of it, yeah. and he, he basically bit back and said, "Look, we've got one player injured at the minute, and that's with a torn Achilles, and yeah. you're slagging off a medical department." So he just really wasn't too happy with with the comments. Yeah. So it's it's like that with the medical. No, does it bother me? No, some someone. No, it doesn't bother me. But with with what happened with Jesse, Jesse left the club on his own accord, and then he went, but left with with an hamstring injury. He then went down and got his medical somewhere else. I didn't even mention Halifax, and that he got a medical Halifax. Um, he went down and got his own um, his own physio, and and it, it wasn't great. His his rehab wasn't great. So when we got him in. We had to do a lot of research and development into that, making sure he was right. It gives about four weeks for us to assess him and make sure that all his numbers were going the right way. So, uh, no, it does it. That's a, the only time when any, um, when I was a manager, well, any time, when when you get a call off what what I consider the best bet. So, you know, I, I was. I was, I was good friends with, with some of the top people uh, in terms of management and you always had the number so whenever you were struggling you could always ring the best of the best you know whether that's Sir Alex Ferguson you know they would help young managers out it's unbelievable they, what they did for, for English football you could always ring them and when when they tell you you're doing something wrong then you do you do choke up you do worry that you do stuff all the tit for tat on the socials and where that's at if you let that affect you, 
you've got to have rhino skin if you let that affect you if you let older people that you know say what they want to say I get, there was the fans forum and some guy come up to me after the fans forum and said do you know what I give you I give you a lot of abuse over over social media he said but I've, I've listened to you tonight and I really wanted to hate you but I actually don't hate you I'm really sorry for giving you that abuse and I said well let's go out for a beer no problem go out for a beer we'll have a chat if you do hate me and there's a real reason I've done something to you I can apologise but at least give me an opportunity to apologise um, and I think half of it is because people don't know you. Uh, and I've been, I've been behind the shadows here for, for for one reason because it's not it's not my style. Um, there's great people at this football club who deserve to get in the limelight. We've got an unbelievable owner who we should be celebrating. Uh, we should be uh, telling people about what this club's doing for local people um, and at the football club. Uh, you know so. They're, they're the they're the stars. We've got a lot of stars at this football club, a lot of great people. But we're talking about 100, more than 150 of great people at this football club and they all need celebrating, do you know what I mean? Um, and that's what that's what hopefully we'll do over, over, over a time scale. Cheers, thank you. Yeah, yeah. so that's everything. Dave. All right, guys. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. Really enjoyed that. Pleasure, yeah. So, there we have it, the interview. Bez, how did you find it? Honestly, absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed it. And I've got to say, you know, I may have said things on here before. Came across a really nice bloke. Came across as a bloke with a lot of enthusiasm for the job he does. A lot of drive, a lot of passion, a lot of love for the club. And I just urge everyone, have a proper listen. If you add it on in the background and weren't properly listening, go back and have a proper listen. Because there's no doubt that that bloke, everything he does is to try and improve the club by his own admission, some decisions they'll get wrong, some they'll get right. But do you know what? Really interesting. I'm glad we did it. And he has helped. To be fair, the fans forum helped change my perspective of him. That cemented me new perspective of him. And I think he's a really top bloke. I really do. How did you find it, Johnny? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like I, I haven't had the same experience of him as yourself did, sort of thing. So I've I've always thought he'd, he'd he's had some he's had some tough stick, but some some of the things that we spoke about, he was really open. Um, and obviously he mentions in in the interview about showing us the war room. Now yeah. just a little more detail and stuff for people just so that they, they understand what that is. Uh, that's his little room where him and the coaching staff, the scouting, the analysts and stuff go. There there was hundreds of players' names on the wall. There was positional Size there were there was pros cons and and all sort of stuff and it was just shown the level of detail that they go into scouting the right player for Port Vale and it made me realise like I thought I knew quite a bit about scouting and stuff like that but it kind of made me realise actually how much work that goes into finding the average the average player like not not even finding that special one finding just just a few players when you when you looked at it and it was it was really impressive yeah it, it was and that's in the interview i asked the question about the formation change etc and was it always planned for one up front and that's where that question came from where what was the plan over the summer i really enjoyed the answer to that and it shows that you know it is an evolving thing that we know it is it all depends on the transfer market etc and i thought that was really interesting the insight into that and the levels that sort of the obstacles that were there to try signing another number nine in the summer 
Yeah, and, and that, that that's it, isn't it? And like there, there was just there was just so much that like we spoke about, we we looked at with him and, and he was he was really open and honest about and I think a lot of the stuff felt like he was he was being honest with us. And I think that's that's the thing. Like you obviously you you, you take a man by his word, don't you? But it felt like he was being completely honest. He, he didn't shirk a question. Um, and I was just really impressed by it all. Yeah, I was. And I'd urge anyone that's listened to that, get yourselves down to the fans forum next Thursday as well, because if there's any follow-on questions, he'll be on stage. He'll be more than happy to answer them. Your questions there are going to be from the floor. There's no pre-planned. So if you've got any burning questions, get yourselves in. And if anyone's got a different perspective of him, Go and have a chat with him and see what you find of him yourself rather than what you read on the internet and what people have told you. Because, yeah, I've said before, I'd had a bad experience with him in the past where he didn't come off the best. I've now had a couple of experiences with him since then and both have been fine. So I'm writing it off as he was having a bad day at the office when I had that experience with him. Because both times I've met him now since, he's been absolutely fantastic. And what got me as well, Johnny, is we were at the club, what, best part of two hours doing that interview? Because we had a chat beforehand and at no point was he clock watching. At no point was he, look, lads, I'm really going to have to go now. I've got stuff to do. He was like, look, take as long as you want. Yeah, I've got stuff to do, but I'll do it whenever. This is what I'm focused on for the next however long it takes. Yeah, and, and that was it. And, and you could tell the dedication to his job was was high. And I found it really, really interesting. And obviously, the, the fact that he spoke about having a wobble. Yes. With, with regards to going back into management and stuff like that. I found it, that was really interesting that like, he, he he seems to scratch that itch every now and again. And that, that to me just shows what sort of, what, what sort of honesty he was giving us because he could have easily said, no, 100% committed. This, this, this is me director of football bar and give, give a bit of a corporate speech. But saying he's had that wobble a couple of times and seen that couple of jobs make, makes you think that like, Actually, he's he's been more he's been more truthful with you and what and whatnot. So, I think that's my big takeaway from it. Is like you said, listen to what he's got to say. Obviously, if you've had personal experience about him, then that's that, that you're entitled to that opinion sort of thing. I'd never had that personal experience of him, so I hadn't really got anything to judge other than the, the few times I met him and the job, the actual job he'd been doing, but. Yeah, he went into it quite in depth, and and I, I could I could have listened to him talk about signing players for for ever. Yeah, like, I could. I love finding out about the ins and outs to it, and how how we go about it, and sort of how he how he badgered families and and stuff like that to get players over the line. I'll be honest, I could have just listened to him forever because, as I've said, his drive, his passion, his enthusiasm really come across, and I hope it comes across in the recording because we were sat in the room eye to eye with him, watching him, seeing his mannerisms and that, and it really come across in person. So, obviously, we haven't listened back. I hope on the recording back, you really get that, because he's very, very dedicated, very driven, and, you know, you, to me, a love of Port Vale and a love of Carol and what she's done for the club come across. Yeah, careful, careful what you say there. Yeah, I'm not insinuating any affairs or anything for the, those that want to start a rumour. But, yeah, I just... It was honestly a really, really enjoyable afternoon. Really enjoyed it. And thanks to Dave for his time and thanks for the club for setting up the recording equipment so we could go down and record it there and then upload it to you. Yeah, that's it. 
And you've you've got you've you've got a complaint, haven't you? Not I have about daily. About, not about club staff. The last thing on the J venture, if anyone knows anyone at Halifax for any reason, please get them listen to the end of the interview and listen about the comments that he made about Deborah's rehab. Because yeah. I think that has been completely blown up in the media by the sound of because Dave didn't even know what had been printed, as you'll hear in the interview, and then he gives his rationale for what he said. So it'll be really interesting for Halifax to listen to that, to be totally honest with you. Um, but yeah, I've got a complaint. I didn't see him at the club today. I want Paddy Shanahan sacked from that club and never step foot in that building again. And it's not because he's doing a bad job, is it? No. It's that it's a complete third, option. It's that third choice goalie strip that's come out. <laughs> we're never going to have any money if we keep releasing kits like that. Because it just it's got by me written all over it, hasn't it? What a beautiful, beautiful kit and I thought the pink goalie kit was my favourite goalie kit it's now the black and it's lovely yeah. uh, they can't pink keep and... doing it to fans yeah, it's, just, it's almost not fair is it no it's just like take the money yeah, yeah. they've they, they done they don't really well again with the, with the kit side of it and I think, I think yeah so he, someone, someone's got a very very good marketing eye yeah very much so and also we haven't had a Thursday pod for it a little bit because of the games on Tuesday. Just a shout out as well to say that obviously there was a lot of issues, turnstiles, etc. at the start of the season. I don't know what your experience has been, but the last few home games, Johnny, I've had no issues whatsoever. No, I think I think it's been really good. Like I think the club have club have reacted really well, and the, the like like we've said quite quite regularly, isn't it? The the proofs in what happens after after they've picked up on it, and if the things that they're saying. That they're gonna change or gonna improve and stuff like that, and so far so good. I think um, it'll be interesting Tuesday with Sutton with the paddock paddock being open and how that affects the fan zone situation and whether people go into the fan zone and and whatnot beforehand and and do bits like you like they would have if it was just the ammo open. Yeah. Um, so that'll be that'll be quite interesting. Um, but yeah, overall quite. Really looking forward to to the, to that game, and I'm liking the fact that the club are fronting stuff up a lot more. Yeah, yeah, and I would say anyone that's got a genuine gripe against the club, fine. But go and have a chat with them and see if they can put it right. They might not be able to, and you might still have a gripe. But one thing I think you will find is people there that want to put it right. Yeah, we like when we've reached out for stuff and, and it's 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 everything, do you know what I mean? Like we, we've spoken to them for, for player interviews and stuff like that just just to make sure that it do you know what I mean they're okay with us speaking to a current first team player, for example, just out of common courtesy. Like we, we they've always been fine with us, they've got back to us and stuff like that. When we've asked them for free stuff they, they they've been good good for us and stuff like that. So it's just like you say, just just reach out to him and talk to him. And like Dan said today, didn't he? Like he might not always have the answer, for example, but they are willing to go and go and get them answers for people. So yeah. like, if you, like you say, gen, genuine gripe, go go and talk to him, see what's what. Yeah, and just to clarify, when Johnny says ask for free stuff, that is i.e. for the quest, not for us personally. Oh yeah, yeah, not, not, yeah. We're, we're not going. We're not going early access to the away tickets like no. like them box holders are. Yeah, no, nothing like that. We're not getting free shirts, anything like that. Yeah, I wish we but, were with yeah. the amount of nice things they're bringing out. 
was going to say, yeah, like, could do with one free one. Yeah, still not a fan of the own one, you know. You know? No, I don't like the own one. I've got it and I've brought it. And you know, I haven't worn it since I brought it. It's still in the wardrobe. But I brought it because it's a veil <laughs> shirt, but I just don't like it. Fair enough. But the away and I love. Absolutely love yeah, the away. The away and's really nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's enough for us rambling. I hope you really enjoyed that interview because I did. I really did. I thought it was really interesting. Some good stuff. And any follow-on questions... Get yourselves down to Vale next Thursday for the fans forum. Get your ticket booked. Get yourselves in there and speak to people face to face because you might yeah. find you've got a different opinion of people face to face. Exactly. And if you can't if you can't make it for any reason and you've got a burning question that you like asking, then fire them over. I'm happy front up a couple of sensible questions. Yeah. Um, like obviously. I'm also happy front up a couple of daft questions as well if if they're if they're whether he prefers Coke or Pepsi and tea and coffee and stuff like that. But you know, it depends what you want to know. But yeah, but we'll be there next Thursday. We'll be there on Saturday at Cambridge. Johnny will be there in body. I'm not sure about mind. Yeah, we'll see. Same first one, first one of the season. So first one on the fun bus. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I'm looking well. forward to see how we bounce back after the defeat on Tuesday. And again, it wasn't a bad performance. Still stand by that. In fact, one of the better performances of the season. See how we bounce back. Did we go into a shell? So do we bounce back like we did after the Barnsley defeat? Yeah, it's going to, it's going to be pretty interesting. And I think, like, it sounds like Crosby's got, got, got everyone working hard. So we'll, um, we'll see where we go with that. Looking forward to so, it. There we go. Everyone enjoy their trip to Cambridge, their Friday, their Saturday, whenever they're listening to this, maybe Sunday. But um, yeah, everyone enjoy. And then if you've got any questions that, that you need asking, then give us a shout. But most importantly, pour yourself a drink and enjoy the weekend. So have an ale and up the veil. So it's full time from the pod and we've just lost again and now it's time for a treat. What are you looking for, Bez? Well, I'm looking to who's cost us today. Was it the ref? Was it the players? But whoever it was, cheer yourselves up. Get yourselves to McDonald's. Get yourself a Big Mac tonight and enjoy it through the app. Johnny? Yeah. There we go. So automate delivery on, on the app. It's at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for more details. And don't forget, have an ale and up the veil. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.